Hey everyone, welcome back to the channel. I want to refresh our memory of one of the many stories that are recorded in the book of Exodus, namely what Aaron did in Exodus chapter 32 under the caption or title, Leadership Beyond Aaron. So if you read it from verse 1, you'll see that Moses was currently in the mountain. He'd been there, or he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. And as he was there, the Israelites were growing impatient because they didn't know when he would be coming down and they felt he'd been there for too long. So they came to Aaron and said, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. That's simply old English for we don't know what has happened to him. And Aaron clearly had a loss of what to really do because, I mean, his brother was the one who was really in charge. So all of a sudden he had to fill in for him. So he just decided to do what they'd asked. And he said, whoever has any gold, you can bring it. And then they all brought it and he formed it into a calf and they worshipped it. And he was like, okay, these are your gods now. And God Almighty then sent Moses to sort of put an end to the whole thing. And then afterwards, Moses came to his older brother Aaron and said, What did this people unto thee that thou was brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me, then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. So he was kind of trying to put the blame away from him, but he was really the one responsible for what ended up happening. So the real question is, what makes leaders or people in this position yield to the interests of the people? And how can we really learn lessons from that story? So there are two factors or things that I want to discuss that tend to make some leaders yield to the desires of the people, even if those desires are against the will of God. The first has to do with weakness. Weakness in this context refers to a leader not being able to deal with the pressure that people mount on them when they desire something that in this case is not correct. Aaron was pressured into doing what was wrong. Naturally, he wouldn't worship idols himself, so he didn't instigate the problem. But when the people put pressure on him to conform to the iniquity they were interested in, he found it hard to resist and stand against the people. And there were other leaders in the Bible who act similarly when in this situation. For instance, if you read for Samuel chapter 15, verse 24, you'll see that King Saul admitted after Samuel rebuked him for disobeying the commandment of God, that he did so because he feared the people. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. The word fear does not necessarily mean that the people were going to attack him. Rather, he had respect for the people and found pleasure and validation 
in doing whatever it is they wanted, even if it was against the commandment of God. And you see the same thing with Pilate. Pilate wanted to please the people, and so he delivered Jesus to be crucified. He was aware, pretty sure, that Jesus was innocent and that the accusations that the Jews were making against him were sentimental and not really based on facts or actual breaches of law. They just hated Jesus and he knew that Jesus was innocent, but he still went ahead and delivered him to be crucified because he wanted to get submission from the people. Mark chapter 15 verse 15 reads, And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas onto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. So leaders often do this because they're rather weak or in many cases they're also interested in gaining influence like that pilot example. And if you also look at the Pharisees, you can see that they too were seeking influence from the people. They wanted to do whatever it is that would please the people so that the people in return would give them respect and honor and glory. They would greet them in the streets, call them Rabbi, Rabbi, if you read the first few verses of Matthew chapter 23. And if you read Luke chapter 16, verse 15, you'll see that Jesus had accused them of doing that. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. You see, there's kind of a problem when leaders are rather weak or are seeking influence from the people. God Almighty finds it difficult to really trust them and rely on them. If they're weak, for example, they don't always represent his interests because if you read Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, and Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, you'll see that God's interests are stable. They're unchanging. They're always the same. He lives based on principle. So because of that, he wants leaders who will be unchanging as well. They will continuously represent his interests. So if a leader is weak, for example, and they do what's right because the people want to do what's right, but then they do what's wrong when the people want to do what's wrong, then they cease to represent God's image because they're here one day and then they're here the next. So God Almighty really finds it difficult to put his mission in their hands because he has no way of knowing whether they're going to be with him in the long run. And if leaders are seeking influence from the people, that's even worse, honestly, because the reason why he's setting leaders in the first place, like he set Moses or he set the kings of Judah and Israel, was because he wanted the leaders to be sort of that link between him and the people. Because it's those leaders who will inform the people about laws and so on, and then the leaders will have special access to him. That's kind of what the priests and the high priests were. But when leaders start leaning to the people instead of leaning towards God, then the leaders are seeking influence from the people. And the people are seeking leaders who will represent their interests. And God Almighty is completely cut out from the picture. Because the leaders have their own agenda, the people have their own agenda, and then God Almighty loses out in the big picture. And that was why he 
rejected the system that the Jews and Israelites had set up in Judea and in the Kingdom of Israel, respectively, because they cut God out from the picture and were just concerned about serving themselves, either by choosing leaders that would please them or leaders doing whatever the people asked them to do. So the fact of the matter is God Almighty finds it very difficult using leaders who don't live based on principle. And that was why David, a successful leader, had said that people who are in power should be just. They should live on principle. They should do things based on what is right and reasonable. He said, he that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. When God Almighty chooses leaders, he's kind of looking for people who live on principle, who will not be moved about by circumstances, that is what the people want now or what's convenient now. They do things based on what is reasonable and what is just. It's called stability or being firm. If you read Psalm 106 verse 3, the psalmist said, Blessed are they that keep judgment and he that doeth righteousness at all times. God Almighty tends to put a lot of power in the hands of those who are reliable, who are trustworthy, who will be with him at any given moment. He's also looking for people who are not intimidated by what people want or people disagreeing with their opinions. They don't really give weight towards what people say. That is, people who do not know their left hand from their right hand to use biblical language. They don't get intimidated or they don't fear what those people might do to them. If you read Matthew chapter 15 verses 12 to 14, you'll see that when Jesus had criticized the Pharisees for their hypocrisy, that is, they elevated Jewish traditions that they set up above the actual laws of God, the disciples came to him and said, don't you know that the Pharisees are offended by what you said? And rather than Jesus going to apologize and say, oh, I'm very sorry for offending you guys or hurting your feelings, he reinforced his statements by saying that they are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch, if you read verse 14 specifically of the text. And he's also looking for people who simply know what they're doing. Because as I said before, Aaron did what he did because... He was simply at a loss of what to do. He, His brother was really the leader of the people. And so in order to sort of try to fill in for him, he just gave the people what they wanted. Some leaders are really simple. They are gullible. They can be manipulated by people, which is why it's important that leaders should, number one, be wise. And two, try to be sure of what they're doing before they simply jump into quoting King Solomon, the simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. If you read chapter 14, verse 15. And if you also look at Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 to 20, you can see that this principle was applied with Israelite leaders because they were supposed to study the law of God so that they could be informed 
about how God Almighty wanted them to exercise authority. They were supposed to copy out the laws into like a book that they would study throughout their lifetime or throughout the period that they would be leading so that they would be acting based on principles, based on spiritual reasoning and not based on sentiments or incentives from the people or whatever else that might be here today and the other place tomorrow. So it's all about knowing what we're doing, knowing what we represent either as a pastor leading the flock or as a parent leading our children. When we understand the role that we're playing and what we're representing to God Almighty, then we'll find it easier to actually play that role successfully. Now, let me just round off by sort of making a connection between the past and our time. If you look at the leadership system today, you can see that although there have been improvements regarding how leaders treat the people and so on, one thing you may have noticed is that leaders are beginning to take power from the people. And what I mean is that whatever the people say, irrespective of whether that is right or wrong or reasonable or unreasonable, they just tend to follow with it. And sometimes that may be seen as a positive thing, but I just want to throw a thought out there. Could it possibly be that it's the result of a weakening system? That is, as the leadership system begins to decline, leaders in an attempt to sort of retain their power, they begin to take power and authority directive from the people. If you read Daniel chapter 2 verses 41 and 43, you actually see that in Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he said that leaders would begin to mingle with the seed of men. And what that means is that in order to sort of retain their power, there would now be that connection where leaders would take their power from the people and do whatever it is people want, give people whatever it is they desire, whether that is really in line with God's will or not. So, and the Bible does tell us that the leadership system would crumble if you read verses like Isaiah chapter 65 or 17, that the old system which includes the economic, political, everything, would pass away and a new system would be established. And if you read Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, you can see that Christ described his philosophy of leadership, which is not really about leaders being served by everybody, but by the leaders being interested or being engaged in offering service to the people. So could this loss of power be a sign of that transition between the former system and the system of the future. Anyway, that is where I'm going to stop on discussing that subject, leadership beyond Aaron. Now, let's hear a tune that some of us might enjoy.
Now, let me round off with a little prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the new information we've been able to learn from your word regarding the actions of Aaron and how it teaches us the skills that leaders need to have in order to do your will successfully. Some of us may be in positions of leadership, either in the church or in the family or wherever, and we're interested in knowing what you expect from us and the kinds of things we should do in order to exercise that authority successfully. We know that there's courage and a lot of diligence involved in being able to do this successfully. And we pray that you supply us with the Holy Spirit so that we can be confident enough to do your will successfully in the face of many challenges, temptations, persecutions, and tribulations. All to your honor, glory, and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As always, have a good day. And God bless you. Oh, one more thing. If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.